dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory, Glory to him forever. forever. Uh, Mother, you've been waiting to get your voice in there, Catherine. <laughs> so, uh, special guest, um, as we've been doing a little more frequently recently. Special guest mother- with, with a way cooler voice than mine. Yeah, <laughs> mother is so mother is so sick of of my uh, of the the mundanity. Is that a word? Mundanity is that a word, Catherine? I don't think, I don't think so. that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean of uh, of me that they're always bringing in special guests. But I'm I'm liking it. I'm kind of like also. What, thank you. Shout at out. what point did I say I was sick of it? I, I I can read your mind at this point, mother. Like we're 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 so like. Bonded in spiritual fatherhood and spiritual daughterhood. That, that I well, you got this um, one wrong. I'm fine with you having special guests. <laughs> okay. uh, you're fine with what? You having special guests. Oh, sorry. I must have been unclear. My, my, my joke with you is that you only want special guests from now on. You don't want it to be just me. Oh, okay. You might be I'm, right I'm, on that. I'm, 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 glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we clarified that. Um, and now I've totally forgotten where I was going with this. Um, Anyway, you can just introduce Catherine. Yes, we have a special guest. This is Catherine Rocher. Um, Catherine is a catechumen for our parish here, the Proto Cathedral St. Mary. Um, She is 23 years old, um, lifelong Angelino or Topanga Canyon. She lives in Topanga Canyon, which, if you if you know Los Angeles at all, um, Topanga Canyon is absolutely gorgeous, and it is a a beautiful canyon going down to Malibu um, from the valley. So, if uh, I drove Topanga Canyon many times before I even knew that you existed, Catherine, um, down uh, down through the canyon, and you if you're driving south, you get off the 101, and you get off in Topanga Canyon, you drive south uh, through this beautiful winding canyon with a lot of very eccentric people living on it because you see kind of eccentric stuff all over the place. But off of one of the little side roads is uh, Catherine's family where her mom and her dad run a bed and breakfast. And, um, and yeah, and have uh, I, I went hiking with them the other day. They live right up, up against the Topanga Canyon State Park. Topanga State Park. Topanga, Topanga State Park. We went hiking. We could see the ocean from the top of the, the park. Um, it was just absolutely beautiful. So... Um, but I want I want to focus here on uh, on Catherine being a catechumen. Um, I don't think enough of our Byzantine churches have catechumens. Um, I don't know how many do. We've been lucky here in LA to have now two in my time. We're praying for more. Uh, me and Catherine are especially praying for one specific um, catechumen. Um, that's another person in our family. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then we have another one who may become a catechumen soon too. So, uh, yeah. Which one's that? Um, I'll tell you off air. Okay. There's, there's somebody that, uh, that's been coming unbaptized like you, um, mm. but it's been oh, coming. So it's not one of my family members. It's not, well, okay. it, it, we're, in addition to one of your family members, we're, we're praying for another one as well, mm. um, who came in. COVID has been very good to us. We've, we've had, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible to say, but <laughs> the pandemic, or, or I guess the the, the way that the pandemic was handled, and and the way that our property has been uh, so beautiful and outdoors, and we were able to absorb a lot of the a lot of the the craziness of the pandemic, and able to be normal in the midst of it because we had such a beautiful outdoor space. So I think that's why we've gained we've gained a few quite a few new both Catholics, non Catholics, and catechumens. Um, but did you anyway, ever watch so Boy Meets World? 
No. Oh. Catherine? No. No idea. Sure. That's what I think of every time. Every time he said Topanga, that's what I was thinking of. Because there's a character in the in the show called Topanga. Somebody mentioned that. Somebody that's mentioned one thing that? I'm realizing. Somebody mentioned that, that there was a TV show with a character named Topanga. Yeah, Boy Meets World. Was. She okay. was like my favorite character. Yeah. There is a lot of, obviously, you know, the Tom Petty song. We talk, I think we talked this before. The Tom Petty song, um, I think, what's it called? Free Fallen? Oh. It's Free Fallen. And, and anyway, it's all about my neighborhood here. Mulholland and Ventura Boulevard and oh. Racina. All those, are, all those are right here. I've never um, so, made that connection. So, like, within, within Hollywood, of course, there's a lot of people that, that refer to, I mean, Santa Monica, Ocean Avenue... I mean, these things that are very much in, in popular culture that mm. now that I've lived in L.A. for two years, I'm like, oh, here's where they got that from. Hmm. There's also the song Greenfields that was written by someone uh, when he was living in Topanga decades ago. Uh, he lived here with his girlfriend and then she left. So, of course, he wrote a song and <laughs> he used a lot of Topanga imagery ah. in his song. So. <laughs> Including green fields. Yes, green fields, uh, kissed by the sun, valleys where rivers used to run. And then after she leaves him, it's parched by the sun and no more rivers. <laughs> yes, yes, darling, every summer, that's how it goes. <laughs> All right. It's not only because she left you. <laughs> this actually would have happened anyway. <laughs> that's really funny. But I, I can see how you do kind of see the world differently. This is why we say never, never make big decisions when you're in desolation. I don't know who said that. We say that, but somebody said that. Um, Saint Ignatius. Okay, one of those guys. Saint Ignatius. It's an. It's one of the. <laughs> it's one of the rules of discernment of Saint Ignatius. He says, "Don't make a change in desolation." It's rule five. Okay. I only remember this because um, we. <laughs> it's. I know. It's shocking. Um, I only. I have a really bad memory, but I remember this in particular because we. Our our community went to a. One of the Theology of the Body retreats was Theology of the Body and the Interior Life. And it was about um, the rules of discernment by St. Ignatius. It was led by Father Timothy Gallagher. And the uh, at the end, we as a monastery did a parody to Adele's Hello. And instead of um, Hello from the Other Side, we went back and forth between... Um, St. Ignatius and the devil, I think. Um, so it was like, hello, it's St. Iggy. Um, and then <laughs> I remember that one line that we said, don't change a thing that's in rule five. And so that's the reason I remember it. That's a really long story to tell you. <laughs> no, I, I love how you nuns at Christ the Bridegroom always do these like parodies and things like that. What was yeah. the one you did with the what? What are the nuns that wear white? We we that was also in a, a a parody on Hello, um, because they're oh, okay. they're Roman Catholic and they live on the west side of Cleveland, and we live on the east side, and we're Byzantine Catholic, so we did Hello from the eastern side and Hello from the western side. Um, <laughs> that one, oh my gosh, that one accidentally ended up on EWTN, and. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Mother Cecilia was humiliated. She's always, she like, her whole life wanted to be on EWTN. And she was like, and she's, oh, you know, funny. like very reserved and very, and she was like, this is not, this is not how I wanted it to happen. <laughs> um, but we did that a parody too. We did for, yeah, for, for Mother, for Mother Theodora's birthday one year, we did, um, uh, these are a few of my favorite things, right? The Sound of Music one. Mm. And then we also did one, 
for one of Mother Eliana's feast days, we did a parody of um, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme song um, about her having Lyme disease. Bel Air, of course, is my next door neighbor. Next door neighbor is Sherman Oaks. Yeah. Which is where I live. There you go. Um, Mother, is there any way that our listeners can have access to these parodies, these videos? Uh, uh, You guys need a YouTube channel or something. We have a YouTube channel. For the for the monastery? Yeah. <laughs> have you put those thing have you put those things on there? Um just the 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 parody that we did with the Mercedarians, that's on there. That one, um yeah. Christopher West also really liked it and so he asked us for the video and so he posted it somewhere, but it's on YouTube. Um it's on our YouTube page, maybe. It's on the Mercedarian Sisters page. So okay. yeah. It's um yeah. it's called the if you search if you search Mercedarian Sisters Oreo video, then you'll surely <laughs> find it. Because we have this joke about us being like an Oreo cookie because we were black and they were white and um anyway, so and we reference that in the song. Um, and how do you spell Mercedarian for those who are asking? M E R C really, really hard word to pronounce or spell. Why are Let's you going to ask me and then start talking while I'm trying to spell it? M E R C E D A R I A N, Mercedarian. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Miss Catherine. Why is everyone calling me Miss Catherine these days? <laughs> it just started with one last Wednesday. It was two, and now it's four or five. You're just you're very. If people haven't noticed, you're just very proper, and it seems like you're a proper very thing proper. To say. <laughs> is this Miss Catherine? You look um, like Miss Catherine. All right, yeah. I'll take it. Also, I've been, um, we're, I've been in touch with a lot with our school in in Denver, our little Montessori school called Sophia Montessori Academy, and uh, and we they always call the the teachers by their miss and then first name. So Miss Pauline. So I, I, I'm Miss Pauline, Miss Irene, although now Mrs. Irene, Mrs. Irene with baby. Um, so yes, so I. We had a great, the reason why I wanted to invite you on, Catherine, was because we had a really good, we do, we do catechesis every Sunday after liturgy, and we had a really good one this past week, um, where- You wear gloves. Of course you have to be called Miss Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> you wear gloves. <laughs> um, that is really funny. I didn't even notice. I'm so used to you wearing gloves that I just didn't I know. Even, didn't she's just, I, every time I've seen her, she's just like so immaculately dressed and just- <laughs> Anyways, her yeah. hair is immaculately done. It, it is really nice. Is. You rarely yeah. see this, Catherine. So, well, yeah, I could very... just be neurotic. You never know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I'm, I'm neurotic, but it doesn't come out that's in fun. like. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So the like the first probably three or four times I met you, um, you, you were you were only very proper, and then I was sitting down with your mother, and we were chatting, and you came up, and you had some zinger about her. That was hilarious, and I burst out <laughs> laughing. And I, I was a little bit afraid that your mother wouldn't wouldn't take my laughing too well, Catherine, because she's so proper as well. And then she just she she started laughing, or at least laughed enough where I was a little bit satisfied in my in my thinking that this was really really funny um, for me to hear. But um, so yes, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to get. Do you mind if we get a picture of you for the podcast? Oh, we have sure. to. Okay. But Olivia Dokimos Olivia told me to remind you. Doki Live is what I'm calling her. Um, she. <laughs> told me to remind you to take a picture. She put it's it kind of awkward that I'm doing that on the podcast, but I forgot to say something before. 
she put it in my to-dos on to-do list. And I, when I, when I went in to put one for myself, I saw it. I was like, Oh, okay. She must've put that on during the meeting. Anyway. Um, so Catherine, we, we had a, she asked me at the beginning of, and by the way, Catherine is the one I was referring to when I talked, I think the episode that came out on Wednesday and I was talking about someone who I knew who used to be agnostic and anyways is now a catechumen who, who walked up to me and was, was kind of, we were talking to Father Joel about, about, um, a wife who draws out the leadership from her husband. Mm -hmm. Like she, she is, you know, he, he needs to be, he needs to lead like Christ and to love like Christ of the church. And sometimes, um, if he's not doing that well, then, then it's, it's, it would be helpful for the wife to, to draw that, to demand it. In other words, to draw it out. And I was saying that happens with the priesthood too. I think either Father Joel, Father Joel said that. And I was talking about one of my, one of my parishioners who walks up and put her hand right hand over the left instead of saying father bless she just goes do your job <laughs> i love it <laughs> my job is to love. that was also Catherine. so it was funny you you, you have a, a very dry but, but lovely sense of humor if i do say so so anyway um we had a great me and so normally i ask her because we're reading the the byzantine catechism um, christ our pasca as kind of our our core text for catechesis um and i asked i always ask you know how's the reading going and do you have any questions and um, she was just question this time. She just said, um, I'd actually like it if you just either asked me questions or just kind of talked about uh, like your thoughts on, on what a catechumen should hear. And so I went through my, I went through kind of my 20 minute, was it Catherine, about 20 minutes? I don't think it was 20 minutes. It was a little less than that? 10 or 15. 10 or 15 minute spiel on like why I believe in Jesus Christ, why I believe in God the Father and the Holy Spirit, why I believe that the Catholic Church and the Apostolic Church is the the fullness of God's revelation through Jesus Christ, and I just went through the whole my my, my own faith and where that comes from, mm. and uh, and then she kind of did the same thing in some ways, but she she was sharing some of her these great one-liners that I'm going to share with you in a moment. Um, if she doesn't say them as part of her story, but um, when she was sharing a bit of her story and like what has made the Byzantine Catholic faith. Uh, relevant to her engaging to her she desires to be part of this church um so maybe the first question i'll ask you Catherine, is you're 23 years old it's rare that you have someone although it's not rare anymore you're you're are you millennial or millennial or are you generation y or z uh i think i'm a late millennial you're a late i think millennial. that's what that count has so it's, it's getting more common but you rarely find people who are just not baptized. There's so many people that left the church um, after baptism, but it's very rare that you find people that are just not baptized. And so um, maybe if you want to start with that, Catherine, how are you, what, what is, what is your story and, and your growing up um, where, and your, I guess your mom's story um, is important here. Her mother is, is, uh, is also in the process of, uh, she's baptized, but she is in the process of, of coming into full communion with the church. We're working on that. Um, but what, can you share a bit of that story, Catherine, about the, just the very beginnings of, of before your, your intrigue with the church, um, what, was your, what was your life like, and, and in other words, that you were not baptized and were able to grow up in this country <laughs> in, in that reality? Well, my mother coming from Russia, she was baptized as a baby because uh, even in the Soviet Union, it was just sort of something that people still did. And she was born in Lithuania, so the uh, Soviet Union was being less hard on Lithuania. So they were able to have a church open at which she was brought, where she was brought to, to be baptized. And she baptized uh, my older sister, who was born over in Russia. 
But when she came here and uh, married my father, who's not religious, he's, uh, he calls himself a theist, but that's, that's where it ends, basically. I didn't end up baptized. And then growing up as a little girl, homeschooled, I sort of believed in God and Jesus in the same way I believed in Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew very little about God or Jesus. And uh, the Holy Spirit as a third person in the Trinity, that was beyond my knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then around the time, I guess, uh, after 10 years old, I started to, like most children, think more critically about these things. And I stopped believing in Santa Claus and God and Jesus sort of fell away with that. And uh, because it was as fantastical and as distant, and I knew as little about it. Hmm. And I, a few months ago, actually, I was looking through one of my old journals, because I kept journals from the age of 11, I think, somewhere around there. And I saw that in the back of my journal, I had written down uh, something which was uh, not in the context of the rest of my journal. It was an explanation to whoever would end up reading it of the way my mind worked at the time. And I wrote about feeling that I was very different intrinsically from other people and I'd never met someone like myself because I was extremely thoughtful and already as a 13-year-old I declared that there is no God. Hmm. And I had thought I had thought carefully about that, but you see, I was judging the God that was my impression of the God that mainstream Christians, which is more Protestants in my world than Catholics, the God they believed in. So I thought it's sort of like a silly illusion you silly people are entertaining uh, because you need comfort in the face of evil and suffering and the fact that you're going to die one day. But I wasn't an atheist in that I was purely materialist and uh, and I didn't believe necessarily in an afterlife. I was I was more I was more open to spiritual things, and throughout my teenage years I was constantly that way because I had this real value for beauty and nature and solitude. And growing up in Topanga Canyon, it's easy to find that, and I treasured it and I was very attached to it. So. I was open to the spiritual things, but I didn't believe in uh, God as as he was presented to me. Uh, but as the years went on, I valued more and more Christian teaching and morality. Not all of it, but the way most sort of religious, sort of non-religious modern people do, to where they say, well, Christianity has a lot of good morals and teachings and principles. And then you ask them, all right, so how about all 10 of the commandments? Do you support all of those? And then they'll go, well, on this one, maybe not so much or, you know. <laughs> so, so that was sort of it. And, uh, but after I left uh, college, so I was homeschooled and then, in high school, uh, about in the 10th grade, I decided that what I was doing was more important than my high schooling, uh, which is an opinion I still stand by. <laughs> so I, I sort of just stopped doing my schoolwork, and my mother was not happy about that. <laughs> but I was getting to be pretty assertive by then, and I told her that what I'm doing is more important, so she just let it go. <laughs> And then when I was, I think it was 16, I took the, uh, the California CHSPEE exam. 
yeah, the exam that graduates you from high school if you haven't gone to a public high school. I, I did well, I passed, and then I started college. And my plan was to do really well at college, uh, get a good degree, and then and then get a good career, and a career that makes money. I was being very practical. And then either get married and quit that career, or if I like that career, find a way to balance marriage and kids and that career. And that was a mainstream uh, conservative, I suppose you could say. Uh, in 2017, I realized that if I was going to keep up good grades uh, and do what was important to me, which was my own reading, my own thinking, pursuing my own interests, uh, nothing specific, but a, a, a general personal interest and a want to be educated in such a way as college was not giving me an education and to have the sort of peace and quiet in my mind to think about and focus on uh, and work on the sort of artistic things that I felt really mattered. If I couldn't do both of those things, I couldn't be really good at my uh, schooling and do that personally. So uh, I had a 4.0 GPA at the time, which I was proud of, but uh, if I was gonna keep that up, it was gonna require all my thoughts, all my attention. I was gonna have to be completely uh, involved in it. I couldn't balance the two worlds. What was your uh, what was your focus your in your education at the time? I hadn't picked a major oh, okay. yet. That was another struggle. I was becoming more and more indifferent towards my education, even though I was good at it. Mm. And and I didn't have a major picked. And I thought I'm gonna be I, I'm not I'm gonna end up not interested in all in what I'm doing here. And then I might one day feel like I would missed my opportunity and wasted my youth mm. on something that didn't matter after all. Mm. And the the whole the whole college world. Um, it, I felt completely out of place there. Like I had this outsider critical uh, look at it, and I didn't. It just didn't make sense to me. You go to college, and it's a complete drain on your wallet. They're constantly getting money out of you. Everything's overpriced. Food is overpriced. Books are overpriced. Classes are expensive. Parking is overpriced and difficult. You spend so much time driving there and then just commuting around. And then there's all these silly young people. And then there's the Marxists <laughs> in the economics class who, you know, they think they're really something. And they're the students who are doing well, but they're fools and... But there kids in college these days don't wear gloves anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I felt, uh, I don't want to sound like a snob, but I felt surrounded by inferiors, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, I also, and my professors were not the best either. I would uh, argue with them. And one professor, I remember, he was a total pushover. And I sort of experimented to see how much I could get away with with him and then realized I better stop because I'll just run right over him. So <laughs> stop, figure out how much respect you should show him and do that. So, and the, uh, and there and the college world, once you're there, it's like you're living in a different reality because they have a completely different view, predominant there, of the way the world is, what history is, uh, who are the, you know, who's good and what's good and evil in the world. And you can't help but be affected by that. Even if you think, no, no I'm going to be a conservative and a patriotic American and a Christian, you, you don't realize how much being a part of that alternate uh, reality for several hours of the day is affecting you. Um, mm -hmm. Some kids I knew who were kind of sort of conservative or libertarian, they were overall very much on the left. Um, but there were a few things on which the, they diverged from their fellow students and they didn't 
they didn't see it themselves uh, that they were not really what they thought they were. So mm. I, I didn't, in general, I didn't like being there and I didn't think I belonged there. So I dropped out of college. And after I dropped out of college, I had the free time to listen to and read whatever I wanted to. So I got drawn into Jordan Peterson. I read uh, some more novels and uh, Man's Search for Meaning and those sorts of books. And I was very, very uh, influenced by Jordan Peterson because he would talk about stories and archetypes and things that are true even if they're not quote-unquote real. And then I listened to his uh, biblical lectures. And more and more I got to value Christianity and this way that he spoke of Christianity and what he saw in it that I had not uh, that I had not uh, saw see, that I had not seen before. Mm-hmm. So, from Jordan Pearson in late 2017 to the middle of 2019, I began to listen to people who were. Uh, the, who were avowed Christians, uh, especially Catholics, because Jordan Pearson is a natural bridge to Catholicism. Uh, Bishop Barron's ministry influenced me uh, quite a bit. He would talk about stories and the Christian archetypes in these stories and the beauty of Catholicism and the way that Catholicism uh it isn't just everything that's in the Catholic Church. If there's something that's good or true or beautiful outside the Catholic Church, that's also Catholic in a in another sense. And if there's something in the Catholic Church that isn't that isn't true or good or beautiful, then that isn't Catholic. Sorry, real quick, so, how did you discover Bishop Barron? I don't remember. Okay. Probably <laughs> probably through Jordan Peterson. Well, I'm, I was listening to all of them on YouTube, so he must have been recommended to me, or I must have looked something up and seen one of his videos. Hmm. But his videos are short, and they're interesting, and they're to the point. So that was how I got drawn in. Okay. I just find someone interesting and bitch watch them, okay. and then find <laughs> someone else interesting. Amen. So uh, that was in 2019. And I began to... I was writing at the same time, and I was writing... Uh, my thoughts on these things I was looking into. And over the summer of 2019, I wrote a series of debates between five characters who ranged from being atheists to devout Catholics. And I was, go- I was mulling over these things in my head. And I began to, in a way, just sort of slide into believing more and more in, uh, in Catholic Christianity and in uh, God. But at the time, uh, I still... Well, there's a quote by Joseph Campbell. I think he said something to the effect of God is a metaphor for everything we don't understand or something something to that effect. So I, I thought, yes, there's a realm, uh, a spiritual realm even, of things we don't understand that are beyond us. And it's good to call, it would be good to call that God. <coughs> and then increasingly I thought uh, Christianity seems to be pretty good at... Um, well, the Christian God is a good uh, image of that unknown. And Jesus is a good step further in the image of that unknown. And so I came to believe more and more, but then I came to the point where I, I thought, well, I realized I have to make a firm decision as to whether I'm really going to believe in this or not. I realized two things at the same time. Uh, 
One was that if if God was if the, if there were things that were true, which I had valued all my life, and things that were beautiful and good, if there are things that are true, then there is truth. And if I'm going to say that truth and uh, that truth can also be called God, and God referring to the Christian God, then I have to believe that that God is real. Because if truth is God and God is truth, then truth has to be real or else there's, there's no such thing as truth and there's nothing that's true. Everything falls apart. Mm. So if truth is real, something real, then God, who I had figured was the best image somewhat understood and mostly mysterious of that truth, then God is real. And if God is real, then by extension, everything about Christianity that made perfect sense uh, as, let's say, as a story, of, like Jesus being God and coming to earth and, well, just everything that Christianity means, everything Christianity believes, the world the worldview that Christianity is, that has to all be real too. And maybe there are some smaller things at the end on the fringes that are debatable, but all the essential things, that's true. And that's real. So I realized I had to either decide whether or not I was going to completely revolutionize my worldview, completely change everything, decide that there there was a God, there was a beginning, God created everything, he set it up in this order, man is made in his image, the spiritual things are all superior to the material, the material depend on the spiritual for their existence, and that God is looking after the world, and we're not going to die one day from some asteroid crashing into earth, but rather one day the end of days are going to come, there's going to be an antichrist, Jesus is going to return, and then the kingdom of God will reign. That coming from where I was, that's if you're going to actually actually believe that, that's going to it's going to be a radical change, and it's going to take months to completely settle in, and you're not going to be the same person afterwards. And well, and it's a lot to accept. But if I if I didn't accept that, then everything I had thought was important for years before that, it's it's nothing. Like there's there's beauty is nothing, truth is nothing, uh, goodness is nothing. It's all an illusion. Everything's material. We don't have souls, there's no spiritual realm, and then for some reason we have these illusions or something like illusions somehow of things that don't exist. But the reason it was difficult to accept uh, believing in God is because I realized, well, who who am I and who is any human being to be able to decide or determine that that this is what the whole world is mm. like who how can you how can you decide that you were born yesterday what do you know you only started thinking about this a few years ago or it's the same for every other person you were born maybe 50 years ago but there have been billions of people before you very long history. There's the rest of the world, the rest of the universe. You're just you. What? What? How can you actually think that you have this, like, su sort of a superiority over the rest of the world that you can decide 
what everything is, or not decide, but determine, that you can say that there is a God or that there isn't a God. Uh, how, how, can, how can you do that? So, so that was my struggle, but the thing is, it goes either way, whether you're going to be an atheist or believe in God, how, how can you determine that? If you're going to be an atheist, it's even worse because you were, you're uh, an accident, uh, the world is material and arbitrary, and the things you're, most of your mind and your thoughts actually are, in a way, illusions of things that aren't real. And then you, as this accident, as someone who's actually, if you actually think about it, as a materialist, you're no, you're no more than the plants, you're no more than the rocks, you're no more than the stars, because you don't have a soul. There's no order such as God set it up in Genesis. How can you, uh, how can you decide what the universe is? Uh, it would be no better if a rock decided what the universe is. The thing is, you can say, well, rocks don't think. And then you say, well, what about you? Like, you do you think you actually think? You're not, <laughs> you're not someone who is created in the image of God. You don't have that. But if you're going to decide that there is a God, then, well, what if you're wrong? And then the, the atheist world view, that is the real world. And here you are being one of those accidental creatures who's giving full into your illusion it's still it's still in a way in a sense it's still arrogant and it's foolish mm. so how can you actually decide that and thinking about it what i came to see is that and i mulled over it for several weeks uh what i came to realize is that having faith isn't actually about determining anything it's not actually about you thinking these things and deciding what you're going to believe. You can't, you shouldn't actually decide what you're going to believe. If you decide to believe in God, you're putting faith first in your own judgment and second in the existence of God. What faith really is, it isn't about deliberation, it's about recognition. And I think I can only put this poetically, faith is more about opening the eyes of your soul and not deciding that you're going to believe, but seeing that there is God. Hmm. Seeing the universe as it is. And then once you've done that, it's not a matter of deciding you're going to believe or continuously deciding you're going to believe. It's not even a matter about believing. It's just the truth washes over you and then it's about and then it's about living in that truth and breathing that truth. It's not something you can go back from. It's not something you can have doubts about later. If, that's the, if that has been your faith, it's a truth that is constantly present and it's your whole life and it's, it's your vision and it's the color and the underpinning to all your thoughts. The only way you could possibly stop believing in God afterwards is if you sort of literally lose your mind. Mm. so that that was the sort of faith I came to and in a sense it wasn't that it wasn't that difficult because uh, for years I had always uh, loved beauty and beautiful things and uh, nature with a well I, I just had a love for it so coming to see God in the world and uh, live, live in that truth, 
it wasn't that great a leap. Hmm. It was just sort of a natural progression. And that, w- that was in late 2019. And I'm always keeping track of the dates of these things uh-huh. because it helps puts things, put things in perspective for me. Can I, can I interrupt you for one moment? I just want to reflect on something maybe that, that we who did not grow up in such beauty as you did. I mean, your, your mother is an artist. Um, that's, you know, you're an artist, your sister's an artist um, of, of painting, drawing, you know, visual arts. And you grew up in Topanga Canyon, which is just a very beautiful place. Um, I I wonder because what I'm what I'm hearing a lot of the the substance of what you're saying is you have an immense humility before God, and that's I think one of the one of the the greatest virtues. We spend our life honing that, but the your your loving of mystery, your acknowledgement of of as eloquent and as much of a thinker as you are, your acknowledgement of uh, being always a receiver, a receptacle of, of, of the mystery of God, of him speaking, like you said, poetically letting the truth and beauty, goodness of our Lord you know, wash over you. There, There's a receptivity that always a perceiving. You're always a student. Um, and even even then, you you know you you desire to be a student of, of art, and you actually left being a student in in a place where you were receiving what you identified as was not true and good and beautiful, um, to go seek after to be a student of what was true and good and beautiful. You 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 listen to a lot of people like you know uh, Jordan Peterson, Bishop Barron, who also they they all have their own sense and and sort of humility as well. Um, but I, I, I imagine it was part of the growing up in nature, what I'm getting at here. Um, it was an understanding of your place in nature. I mean, we, I, it's, uh, Tabanga Canyon is still technically Los Angeles, but it, it's, it's, it's so far away from the city that you certainly see more stars there than you do here. Certainly. So, so you, 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 you see more stars. You grew up with, with actually seeing water. You grew up with, um, actually, you know, having, uh, you grew up having, the uh, nature around you with animals. I mean, well, what animals are in Tobago Canyon? You mentioned it when we were hiking. What's, what's going to kill us? <laughs> None of them really will kill you oh. unless you're running away from them or digging in their trash. Okay. <laughs> uh, among the large animals, we have coyotes, deer, bobcats, mountain lions. I've only seen a mountain lion once. And the small animals, you know, rodents, uh, raccoons, and squirrels and rabbits. So with the stars, with everything that can kill you, things that can't kill you, and just the beautiful nature and the ocean nearby, you can actually see, you can see the ocean um, from, uh, from the top of, of the state park. Um, there's there's, a, there's a, a, a humility that I think comes naturally to those who are in nature. There's a, if, it, if it's a, a world that we can't and don't want to control, there's a, and that's what humility is rightly understood is just a, a, I understand who I am I see myself as I am in the context of, of God in the context of everything around me etc there's all these things so anyway the the you, the fact that you treasure and stand in awe before the mystery before when you you actually let your love of of mystery be your guidance towards truth and of course the beauty that is part of that mystery um, I, I just think it's it's uh, at this point in your journey, and I want you to continue on, at this point in your journey, that there is a, a manifestation as confident as you are. There's also a great manifestation of humility. And I think that that's a really good mix and going to be very helpful to you in your continuing in your life of seeking and learning. I, I think that you're right, Father Michael, that 
the appreciation for beauty can be nurtured when we're in an environment that is very naturally beautiful. But I I don't think it's restricted to that because what, what I was thinking as I was I was very moved by the same part of what you were sharing, Catherine, of this this attraction to beauty and how really you came to this this point of if if truth is real and if beauty is real, then God must be real. And if God is not real, then beauty is not real and truth is not real. And I was I was very moved by that. And I was thinking of having my so my background is in engineering physics, is what I studied. And um, and I just remember that so much in studying physics, like the theories that came about were were so often, they came about because someone was attracted to the beauty of them. So so the, the theory of everything or string theory, like this is why it's so pursued by physicists is because, and by mathematicians, is because there's there's this great beauty and consistency to it. And and so so people are just convinced that that if something is this beautiful and this perfect, it must be true. And and there's this this person and this has happened with with multiple things in, in physics and math. And it's like the the reason that we we so pursued and tried to prove something was because it was beautiful. And, and we ache for that beauty to be true. And so there's, um, yeah, that's just, that's, that's what I was thinking of is that's how many, many mathematical theories have been proven. Um, and, and, and it's also part of why, you know, I'm reading this book right now called Measurement. Um, that's, yeah, it's just about, about pursuing mathematical proofs for the beauty of them. And, uh, and, and like this, this particular proof may or may not help us in the physical world, but, but that's not the point. The point is it's beautiful and that's why we're doing this. And so, so I think you're right, Father Michael, but I think that people are also attracted to beauties of different kinds. And it's, it's not always just the, the natural beauty, um, but that, that ache is nurtured within us regardless of, of the environment in which we grew up. I agree. And if I, I think if I was a different person, I would be feeling very insecure before both of you right now, because there's, there, there's <laughs> things that you're, <laughs> that you're like, you're very good at, you know, Catherine, you, you've, you've had the experience of an upbringing in nature that I certainly never had being a city boy. And I'm, I'm jealous of that in a sense, envious of that in a sense. And, and you, you, you were, you're an amazing artist. You had a mother that taught you art. Um, you know, mother, you are naturally good at math. We all know this in physics. Um, I, I would say if I'm looking for what, what in my experience has been something to observe from the world that, that, that helps me grow in humility um, I, I, I think it would be my love of being a student of, of humans, especially the poor and the mm. outcast. There's something about um, seeing someone in need that, that I think is an is a explanation of Luke's Beatitudes, blessed are the poor. You know, the, um, there's, a, it's just, there's, something, there's something in there that when we observe creation, whether it's creation in, in the, the art of the visual arts, the, I mean, this is with math, as you know, mother, you know, math has everything to do with music, music has everything to do with math. So there's something mm-hmm. in the, in, in the, in symphonies and things like that, that are so ordered and mathematical. 
Um, there's something in, in something like carpentry or, or woodworking or, or metalwork or glass blowing that, that there's an order to it that reveals something good and beautiful and, and, and true. Um, and if we stand humbly before that beauty, whether it's math or nature or another human being, and I, I think anybody listening to this podcast can say, what, what, what has God shown the order that, that you talked about, Catherine, the order that drew you in, the order that comes from Genesis, a certain order to the world, in what order and what truth and beauty and goodness has, has our Lord drawn you to understand that faith is something that, that you are, in a sense, of a victim of? That's not right the way you put it, Catherine, but like faith, faith is something that, that happens to us. It's a gift. That's what we call it, right? Um, faith, hope, and love are, are gifts. They're something to be received. Um, but but I think we need to, to be able to receive them. We need to be prepared to receive them through humility. That's what I'm hearing as, as one of the main points of your story, Catherine, is is even if you wouldn't describe it that way, that's what I'm hearing. It is a, you, you, you've had the humility to treasure mystery. And, and to treasure mystery, we need a certain humility. And that's honestly what our podcast is all about. We call it a business together podcast about mystery. So there, there's something about the awe that, that, that leads to and, and prepares you and me and Mother Natalia and everybody for, for a deep faith, so. My, my my last comment before uh, before Catherine continues on with anything is that it's just very fascinating to listen to you because it's clear that you've been formed by by Jordan Peterson because um, so so much of the way that you speak I feel like I'm listening to Jordan Peterson it's like your your way of your way of speaking and articulating is is very much like him and it's just it's yeah it's fascinating in in any particular way or would you not um, be able to articulate that. I think the time that it struck me the most was when you were talking about just just the very logical progression. Um, like he he speaks in this very logical way as well of of if if this is true, then this must be true. And if that is true, the implications of that in my life are tremendous. And this is and and it's like yeah I don't know it's just the the way that you speak is very much like him. Which I I love Jordan I Peterson so that's that's not a. Yeah. It uh-huh. might even be partly your cadence. That's what I thought too. The, the, even yeah, the it's way, also the cadence. Mm-hmm. The way you speak and, and the, it's see. very measured. Like, <laughs> like he, he, I think he's he's not as measured. I think you're, you, you've mastered that a little more than he has, but there, there's, a, there's a certain cadence that's measured in order that, that you, 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 you're easy to listen to. It's got a very calming effect, yeah. Yeah. I see. Well, okay. Um, so I'd love to hear now that next step from from Bishop Barron, from an understanding of, of the mystery and, and what is what has brought you to this point being a catechumen of the Business Together Church? All right. Well, let me first make one more comment about what you were saying a moment ago uh, when you were talking about mathematics and beauty. Uh, I wanted to remark that when I was younger, I was very invested in math and puzzles because I really liked the uh, discovering this order that mm-hmm. had no exceptions and that was continuously more complicated and intrinsic. And I didn't like, on the other hand, writing and language and that sort of thing because there are all these exceptions to the rules <laughs> and it was just because, not that there is any uh, reason uh, so logical and orderly for the breaking of these rules. But uh, as I got to be older, I... I did become more interested in language and in humanity in general because uh, there was a certain order which was uh, continuously broken at the lower level, but at the higher level, the order 
sort of fade in into a chaos, which wasn't isn't a bad chaos and isn't a senseless chaos, but uh, more chaos if you understand it as a mystery from which uh, in which there is potential and from which order can uh, continuously be gathered and you can continuously create a more intrinsic uh, sort of order, but there's always this higher mystery over it. So I, I saw that in the humanities and in language, like the way the English language is structured, the, the origins of words, the way words uh, are created, uh, and the way finally somewhere centuries back uh, the origin of the word is unknown or fades away. It's uh, it's interesting in a way that math isn't interesting, and if you can if you can stand to have all this mystery about it, uh, you you can and if you form the right uh, relationship with this mystery, it becomes something that you can master and work with, and yet you don't totally understand it. You can master math, and then there's no questions about anything really, uh, as far as I can tell. Well, well I mean you're you know you're. Well, I know that there is a mysterious level to math, but it's it's not the same uh, with things that are more uh, hu human and arbitrary, but not totally arbitrary. Chaotic. So, yeah, I would say I wouldn't want to compare uh, religion and religious matters so much to math as to uh, arts, which are mathematical, very deeply mathematical. As you said, the symphony has all this math involved in it and all this order. But something like the melody itself, that's not something you can mathematically come up with. That's something that comes out of the imagination of the composer. And what the source, what the source therein is, that's, that's an even further mystery. But yeah, that's how I'd speak of religious things. It's more, more musical and artistic than mathematical, just mathematical. I wonder if that's why we find nowadays that it's that so many atheists cling to the the fact that they will not acknowledge it as as truth or real unless it's unless it's provable down to its, you know, component parts. Um, because that the, they're 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 grasping at a sense of of that that sense of math. That sense of order, that 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 can be broken down to its component parts and proven by like like using Euclid, you know, to the we Euclid starts his geometry with a point, and then he goes to a, a line, and then he develops you know a triangle, and and then you you, you develops this whole geometry based upon that, and and atheists refuse to see uh, an orderer in the order, and I think that's why it can be perceived as as boring or or unlike unlike the things of God. And, and also, there's so many Catholics who who want to want to fit God into into that order as well. So there, there, there I think there could be a danger, but also a fascination with these things, rightly understood that all all these things lead to our Lord. But so anyway, thank you. Yeah, I yeah, I won't. I we we don't really have time to get into it a lot, but I I would, I would argue that the attraction to the beauty of math um, comes from the same place as the attraction to the beauty of a symphony or the attraction. To, to the beauty of, of a God um, because God is the one who created these mathematical rules and this order. Um, and, but yeah, but we don't have, I, I understand what you're saying, but, um, and we don't have time to get into it, but yeah. Okay, you want to finish? We, we, have, we, we, we probably have about another six minutes. 
if, if, or I mean, you can go over, of course, but I, just, I want to make sure you, you're able to finish your story too because people are fascinated by it, I'm sure. And if I have to right, bow cool. out a little bit early for Vespers, that's not a big deal at all. You guys could finish oh, okay. it up. Okay, thank you. All right, well, uh, having listened to Catholic Christians, I was open and receptive to Catholicism. And I was never, uh, I never really had an anti-Catholic bias formed in me as a child because we were so detached from religion in general. Though I did think Catholics were, you know, the bad players throughout history and the Protestants were the, the heroes and that sort of thing. But I sort of forgot about that while I was listening to Catholics. It, it just didn't occur to me. Uh, so... The Catholic Church drew me early on, even before, uh, even before I ceased to be, in a, in a sense, agnostic, because of the beauty and the mystery of the Catholic Church and the, uh, what do you call it, Archi archetypal or archetypal? I always get that mixed I up. I say archetypal, but then okay, the archetypal, right. yeah. the archetypal structure of the Church. As you see, if you were if you were writing a story and you were making up your own world and it was you were going to set an adventure in this world and you had a religion in this world that was like the Christian religion and then you well the the logical thing to do would be to have a church uh, to have a you know physical and social manifestation of that religion and then the romantic thing to do would be to have a church like the Catholic Church with this uh, ancient nature uh, this complexity about it uh, to where if you spent a lifetime studying it you probably wouldn't read everybody and uh, understand everything uh, and this beauty and this mystery and all these rituals and uh, people wearing unusual clothing and and then this uh, order leading all up to one person who isn't just a person he's also a stand-in uh, for something higher than himself so Protestantism never drew me in because it always struck me as being, well, American Protestantism. I suppose you could say Baptists and everyone who isn't the kind of Protestants who are closer to being like Catholics, like Anglicans, I suppose you could say. Uh, the the Baptist types, the Baptist type Protestants never drew me in because they always struck me as being shallow and lacking a a really deep interest in beauty. Uh, truth and goodness seemed to be more important to them than beauty, but to me it was, it was all equally important. But then again, uh, beauty was uh, a mysterious source, had a mysterious source, which truth and goodness doesn't quite have. Uh, truth is more like what we understand of the mystery, Goodness is the manifestation of our understanding and what we should do thereof. But beauty was much more mysterious and it had obviously a depth to it that we didn't understand. So if someone wasn't interested in, in beauty, and beauty also, uh, it draws all of us in, uh, even if we're not Christian or religious or even if we're atheists, beauty is attractive to all of us at a deep level. So if you're someone who rejects Christianity, that's one thing. But if you're someone who rejects beauty, then there's something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> so so for a group of Christians to be like, well, beauty, yes, we like that, but you know, it's not that important. Then it, it doesn't, uh, it, they're not the group I would naturally fall in with. Mm -hmm. So Catholicism had a, had a relationship with beauty, which, well, Catholicism and Orthodoxy and you know, all the traditional Christian Christians, they had a relationship with beauty, which I didn't see 
among other Christians. So Protestantism just was never relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Catholicism, so as I thought more about the other traditional Christians, uh, Anglicans and so far as they're like Catholics and the Orthodox, it just seemed that uh, Catholicism, that was, that was the center, that was the place to be. And even if someone else has something right, like even if maybe I might have been drawn more to the spirituality of the Orthodox, nevertheless, it would have, it would be my preference if the Catholics maybe were more like that then, because it's Catholicism was the place to be. So it just it naturally it followed naturally that I would desire to enter the Catholic Church. Um, so that was that was in 2020. I was thinking it over and reading Chesterton, who has very interesting uh, explanation for why you should be a Catholic, why it's a good idea. And uh, then in Are you talking 20- about orthodoxy? yeah, the book Orthodoxy, but also the book uh, the Catholic Church and Conversion. Mm-hmm. It's a smaller book. I read that one first. Okay. And in early 2021. Uh, my mother was a Baptist during that time, and she once said to me when I was defending the Catholics, she said, I'm worried you're going to go become a Catholic. <laughs> and I was like, darn it, I've got to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so uh, she, we went back and forth more often than was uh, optimal, I guess you could say, because I, didn't, I don't like uh, having that much discourse. I prefer to be learning than arguing and teaching other people, but whenever she'd say something Baptist, I'd get all worked up and come back with something Catholic. And she then became more interested eventually in Catholicism because Jordan Pearson, whom she also listened to, said something nice about Catholicism. <laughs> and she, well, she has, she has her explanation of what drew her in. It was other things besides, besides Jordan Pearson. But she started becoming interested in Catholicism and then Eastern Catholicism and, uh, as well. And then she found this uh, church that we're going to now. She went a couple of times, maybe three times, and told me she liked it. And so I came to have a look at it. And uh, it was it was overall a, a nice church, not not an ideal church, but a nice church. So we d- decided it would be a it, it would probably work if we kept coming here. And I I didn't want to put off being baptized. I just and now that I decide I'm going to be a Catholic, I don't know everything about the Catholic Church, but I know I'm going to end up here. My intuition is saying this is what's going to happen. I'm going to end up a Catholic. Might as well start get. I might as well get started on it now. So uh, I set my mind to getting baptized. So I became a catechumen, and I'll probably be baptized next Easter. Amen. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's our plan as well. Um, yeah, it's it's your mother's a your mother's a fascinating story as well because she did she did show up and and was very receptive to what we were doing. Um, to what that we, we were praying outside, literally, she was outside. We were, in the, we were in the midst of COVID, and then when she started bringing her children, I knew that I knew that we had her hooked. <laughs> um, what was something you said about about our parish? Oh, I thought it was. It's not ideal. Saying, well, no, no, the, the, that 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 too. But the, 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 this this relates to that. That there's a. You said something about before you were a catechumen. You asked me, "Was it possible to be Catholic and not be as outgoing as social and social as our parish was, or something oh, like yeah. that?" 
Uh, yeah, well, being a Catholic, that's a social dedication, and I'm a very solitary sort of person. So I was, I was wondering, once you become a Catholic, does that mean you basically have to act, act like an extrovert now, or <laughs> continue being an introverted person and be a good Catholic? <laughs> I took that as a great honor because I thought I, our, there, I don't think there are many churches nowadays, especially during COVID, that were able or willing to be so social and, yeah. and have a real interdependence and have a community feel um, from, well, from an outsider. Well, it's not just that. It's it's all, it's all the matter about doing things as a community. Uh, going, not just going to church every Sunday, but you know, it's good to go to church several times a week, maybe. There's all these other services and you're you're doing all these practices and things which continuously brings the community back to your mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're falling and you're falling in line with an order which was not a, which you didn't set up. It's a community of people, and then people long yeah. before you they set it up, and uh, you're falling in with that. Amen. And I'm the sort of person who really got used to setting up my own order and structure, so <laughs> I, I didn't want to give up the independence which uh, had led me to good things. Uh, but at the same time, I needed to figure out how to sort of reconcile myself with the the order and the, in a, in a different sense, the worldliness of the Catholic Church. Amen. I like that. And I, I think that those, those two things being held in tension is going to be probably a lifelong challenge, but also fruit for you, you know, to say like, how am I bearing the fruit? So you don't lose the independence that, that also provides so much good to your life while at the same time um, having a certain submission to the, the role of the body of Christ in the church. Well, the archetype of the hero who goes on the journey, leaves his town, goes on a journey, uh, has his adventure, and then comes back to the town to, in a sense, to be reconciled with them, to come back as a hero and to do something for them, and who's who's got a relationship to his society, which everyone else in the society doesn't have. That's a good model to follow. It's like there's a there's a certain detachment and attachment at the same time, and it's the healthiest one you can possibly have. Yeah. All the way from Odysseus on, huh? Um, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, or uh, oh, brother, where art thou? If, you're, if you have never read, <laughs> never yeah. read Odysseus. <laughs> um, I'm the dang paterfamilias. Okay. <laughs> have you ever seen Oh, brother, where art thou, Catherine? When I was a kid, and I don't remember most okay. of it. <laughs> got some great one-liners so anyway i was going to bring up your one-liners um but you covered all of them without being a one-liner so i appreciate that the one the ones i was thinking of was was that that you found um the church and jesus christ and the truth um mysterious and satisfying like i I thought that like mysterious and satisfying usually we would think the mystery is not satisfying but you found it mysterious and satisfying i think that's that's beautiful well that's also what beauty is or a good work of art it's mysterious yet satisfying Mm. though i'll remark that you sort of need to have good taste in order to fully understand that and that's kind of as i as i as i told you a bunch of times Catherine. like that's what when it comes to the church's role through catechesis and mystagogy the catechumen learns kind of how to how to Form and receive formation from God so that their mind is is ready to receive the truth and the mysteries of, of baptism. And then after that, the, the details are explained in more detail what you've already received. So there is a sense of as, as a catechumen, you, you're, you're learning to do in the church what you've already done in your own mind. And that's kind of developed taste. You, I could even say that, you know, you, you've, you've developed through your upbringing and, and through your, your genes 
uh, taste and something good taste and something and then and then now you're developing that for, so that you'll you'll be receptive to the goodness of God and the truth and the beauty as we go on. So, okay, mother's gonna have to run. So, mother, can we ask you for your uh, your prayer intentions real quick so you can get on to vespers? Um, sure. Maybe while I'm doing that, you can uh, take a selfie for Doki Live. Um, no, do we need to do all of us? Yeah, she. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you and Catherine with me on the screen in the background. Um. Sure, and then do do you think right. I? If you can just turn around, you don't need to. You don't need to. Uh, let's see if we can do this. This is going to be so interesting. Like everyone who's listening to the episode right now sees this. While happening. we're taking the photo, like, there we go. Yeah. There. All right, there we go. <laughs> Catherine is helping as well. Uh, right. When happen. you guys see when you guys see our Instagram picture for for this episode, you're going to know exactly what happened. Um, all right. Yeah. And then do you think I just keep? leaving it running or do I leave the meeting? What do you think happens? Yeah, keep it running. Just to okay. make sure, yeah. Um, okay, I, um, I am, I hope that um, this is kind of an awkward timing of a prayer intention, but um, our, friend, our friend Father Chuck, Father Michael, who I've asked you to pray for, mm-hmm. um, who was in the hospital with COVID and was put on a ventilator, was um, taken off the ventilator and was improving. Um, And now things have gotten much worse and he's back on the ventilator. And uh, so Mother Eliana was able to visit him um, just a couple days ago and yesterday. And um, we're recording this on December 4th, but uh, he really needs our prayers. So um, we believe in retroactive prayers. So please pray for for Father Chuck, for his healing, if it be God's will. but mostly for his his consolation, his comfort, um, and that he can rest in in the peace of whatever God's will is for him. Amen. So, well put. thank you. Absolutely. Thanks All for right, coming mother. on, Catherine. It was great having you. Um, you guys enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, thank yeah. you. We'll do our prayers. I'll give you a blessing, and please pray for us during Bester's mother. Okay. I love you. Bye. Um, all right, my prayer intentions. I have actually not thought of this ahead of time. Um, but uh, there's there's a, a couple people that are, are sick in the parish, and that just comes first to mind. Um, we have a, a man who who is getting a biopsy for a possible cancer. Um, we have my father who's, who's dealing with some gallbladder issues from the Agent Orange. Uh, we have a young man who, whose eye was scratched by their cat, um, and is, is now healing, and we're hoping healing well from that. Um, we have a woman about to give birth, hopefully this week, um, so we'll have a baptism soon. Um, we have some people that are traveling. We have some, anyway, just all, all my, my parish needs, I'll, I'll be that general. Um, also, we have Maddie Hebert moving, uh, coming back for the semester, so she's going to come back, which is nice. Um, we'll have her back. She's a student in Stubenville. Um We've missed her immensely. And, uh, and yeah, some people discerning vocations. There's just a lot going on in the parish right now that, that's beautifully resting on my mind. So I just pray for the Proto-Cathedral of St. Mary um, and the Outreach of Ventura County and, and all, the, uh, all the good and the needs that, that our community has. Any prayer intentions, Catherine? So normally people pray for people who are in need. In a sense. Or you can do whatever you want. I would love to think of something, I hear something outside of the box from you. You're good at that. I don't know that many people and they're all doing all right. So 
Well, actually, uh, you, I, I suppose you could pay, pray for my extended family. Okay. Uh, uh, my extended family on my mother's side. But I won't be any more specific than that. Amen. Our, our Lord knows, so you can handle that. All right. Thank you, Catherine, for coming on. I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your story. It's great to get it out there and hopefully it'll inspire other people um, to be receptive in similar and different ways that you have to to our Lord's working. And please, please pray for Catherine. Everybody who's listening as she continues as a catechumen and then, and then God willing gets baptized on Pascha on Easter and then continues with her mystagogy, her continue to, to learn what it means that she's already received in the baptism when that happens. So um, yeah, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the invitation. Of course, thank you. All right, uh, Mother's not here to to give the spiel about everything we're doing, so I'm gonna have to do it, unfortunately. Um, but please, again, you have uh, you have our email address, what God is not podcast at Gmail. If you want to be in contact with Mother Natalia, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Padre Michael O. We have our Goodreads account. We have our YouTube page. And then we are just recently on Patreon um, and able to uh, give swag and shout outs and extra videos and maybe even a visit, um, depending on how much you give. Any, anything given to Patreon uh, does, of course, not go to Mother or I because we don't need it. Thank God. Um, but it goes to our various um, ways of evangelizing, both digitally and and brick and mortar. And then also a percentage goes to other projects. A percentage goes to the poor. 20% actually goes to the poor always in creative ways of mission to the poor. And then the rest either goes to the church or goes to our various efforts in evangelization. And there are lots, lots of beautiful efforts that we, we've already received some support for. We want to continue that. So thank you all. Let me go out by giving you a blessing. May Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord continue to allow you to be fascinated by him, to uh, desire truth and beauty and goodness, to be in awe of the mystery of who God is, to let um, the church be a place of rest and healing within that mystery, um, that you may always be seekers and learners, that you may always be inspired by the other members of the body of Christ, that we will have a certain interdependence among us that is helpful towards the end of the building up of the body of Christ and especially the salvation of our souls. May our Lord give you everything good you need, the softening and strength of your heart um, as you grow in this pilgrimage of life. May the Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, bye, all. God bless you. Thanks for everything.